Mm. Z, start this stuff out. Tell the people some. I'm gonna tell. Words. I'm gonna tell the people what they want to hear, which is that I haven't showered in two days, and I'm wearing the same shirt. I'm wearing the same shirt as yesterday. I that believe I did that. A supporter class. I believe My pit stink. <laughs> my life stinks, and we're in the middle of a move, and so I'm making no motherfucking excuses. Hey, you got an offer on your house, so you're like, you're out of here, bro. I got multiple offers on my oh, house. Snaps. I can't talk about the details because I don't want to, you know, tip our hand. Mm-hmm. But uh, are we moving on up <laughs> to the east side? <laughs> yeah. So hopefully, uh, hopefully we can sell this house to a, hopefully a porn company. Somebody yes. who's going to use it. Uh, you know, San Fernando Valley style. Mm-hmm. and Oh, that's going to happen. Mm-hmm, 100%. Yeah. This is Vegas. It's Vegas. Bro. This is Vegas. Who else buys a house in that price range that isn't making <laughs> <In> porn? porn. <laughs> Nobody. In fact, I, at our, so for the, for the like few, um, for, for the, for the males in the supporter tribe, this is going out to supporters only, by the way. Uh, let me load up their comments. Um, but you can also get it on the podcast. If you're listening on the podcast and you want to watch the video, because we are sexy, you got to understand that. You want to see our face. Become a supporter. Go to facebook.com forward slash become supporter forward slash ZDogMD and join the super secret tribe, right? Where we talk hella shit. There are no anti-vaxxers. People are cool AF and not assholes, mostly. Or we're assholes, but to the people who deserve it. I want to, all right, I want to get into this with you. I got into this with my therapist. Everything on this show is me being like, my therapist said, yeah. and then, but I and got. Me, and then me going, it's pronounced the rapist. I got into it with her and she was questioning me and she was like why do you care so much about anti-vaxxers oh and i started giving like you know the usual laundry list of reasons for why i care you know it's it's important it's dangerous and this and that you know all the stuff and she was like yeah but it's not like the laws are going to change anytime soon right so like why do you have so much verve and vigor over this matter and uh, i wanted to ask you the same question Ah, and see what your answer is. Right, because I actually think the laws can change. I actually think public opinion can change. I think we. I see uh, from inbound emails that people change their mind based on shit we've done. Also, I get emails from people who are like, you're never going to change minds by shaming. Right. And this kind of ridicule is just going to alienate them. And I'm like, good. The people who are hardcore, the de- delusional types, yeah, we can shame the hell out of them all day. And who cares if we alienate them? It's not like we're going to win them over. The people on the fence may actually see something happen, which is, wow, a physician with a lot of training who seems to care about this stuff really thinks these people are not just like, oh, a little misguided, or maybe they're basing their their worldview on a different uh, set of data, and you know maybe it's okay. No, he's calling them delusional fucking psychopaths. Maybe I should listen to that guy, and and they do. It yeah. actually works. Now I gave the same. I gave a very similar answer, and. Uh, she still challenged me because she was like, but what about you? Like, wh- what is your deep internal mm. feeling about it? Mm. And forget the externalities of like, yes, everything's just a story and humans are always fighting over narratives. And this is something that we do in, in the world. Wh- why do you feel so strongly internally that, you know, their decisions mm. affect you? Mm. So wh- what's your answer? On that? And, and you're asking me this. Yeah. Um, Ah, you know, partially it's outrage at seeing all the hard work, dedication, and compassion that people have put into this project of vaccination over the years, squandered by people who are borderline intellectually disabled. Mm. Or worse, they're very smart, 
and have been misguided by elephant ideology instead of writer strategy and thinking and going, uh. and so it's just, it's, it's harmful to me to see incorrect knowledge spread. Yes. Yeah. So that, that's the internalization. My answer was, I don't want to see people in denial because I know how much that being in denial can harm you. Because if you don't have your compass aligned, you know, true north, you're going to end up heading in the wrong direction. And there's a lot of danger when you don't know where you're heading. So you've seen the damage of self-deception and cannot abide seeing it, obviously, in others. Yes. Yeah. So I feel I need to stamp it out wherever I see it. Mm. And this has always been a big part, part of my seeking, personality yeah. is mm-hmm. like truth seeking and like right. I need to – like I don't even – you know – I just need you to know <laughs> that mm. what you're doing is wrong and mm. that it's incorrect. You mm. know what I mean? Because it's interesting. So for me, as, as a more of the teacher type, I just hate it when incorrect stuff is taught yes. and no one's standing up to it. Yes. They're standing up to it with ineffective methods, which is, well, we've our data shows that vaccines are safe and effective. No one gives a fuck about your data, Ace. They want to know. They want to feel a certain way. They want to trust you. You know, it's like my real estate agent right now. Okay, this motherfucker, like my wife found him, and he gives off an aura of, okay, I understand this market. I, I'm emotionally invested also in you succeeding, but in a rational and calm way. And I, I'm gonna do everything I can to help you in a way that helps us both. And you get that aura off that person because of the way they communicate, they carry themselves, every nonverbal cues. That's why he's one of the better agents in Las Vegas. Well, this is great. That's how we ought to communicate vaccination stuff. Now, looking at some supporter comments, I, weren't, I wasn't able to get them work on my iPad. Susan Robinson said, hey, my reason is easy. I worked in vaccine research, number one, have an immunocompromised sister who has gotten sick from unvaxxed kids. So another thing that triggers me is this sort of moral outrage when anti-vaxxers as a tribe attack people with children with autism or who've had um, uh, gotten flu and then the child dies and then the, the anti-vaxxers will attack the mother and say, yeah. you're lying about this, you're trying to spread lies about, I mean, that's just unconscionable. And then I get violently angry. So that, that's an emotional response, right? But uh, yeah, it's interesting. So you just wanna, you wanna spread, make sure we get over deception, which I think is a good uh, motivation. You, well, it's like the people who um, you know sell the various snake oil treatments like down in Mexico for cancer or whatever. Right. And it's like, oh, this essential oil will cure this cancer, that, or this. I mean, it's so destructive. It's so destructive, uh, the level of denial. Yeah. And, and they prey on people who are in a state of denial because when you're, you're grieving, you're, you're in denial. And if you're in self-betrayal, you're in denial. So a lot of people are self-deceiving. And uh, I know because I've often been self-deceiving throughout my lifetime. You know? mm-hmm. and that, As have I. Yeah, and sort of, you know, I still am about various things and maybe they're not always, uh, I'm not always aware of them. Self-deception is... is- so ingrained in who we are as humans. Yeah. Yeah. And we've talked about this, like as a evolutionary thing, it actually behooves us to be self-deceptive because that means we can be externally deceptive to others. If we're trying to accomplish something in the world, if we believe it, we can actually, others will believe it because humans have really refined abilities to detect liars. Yeah. What if you're not lying? Do you remember the first time you lied and you changed your own memory? Did I can't. Have, I, I remember. I know I've done this, but I can't remember the specific time. I remember doing it when I was maybe five or six. Oh, really? And I remember telling the lie, 
and I remembered what the truth was, and then I forgot the truth because I told the lie so many times, <laughs> and now I only remember the lie. It, that's so common. And I was like, holy shit, this is like five-year-old Tom. I was like, I can change my entire reality yeah. by just continuing to lie to myself. Yeah, yeah. Well, but, It was dangerous to me. I felt the power of it because well, I felt like I could hold both. You know, the truth yeah, and yeah, the yeah, lie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. then I f- it just it, fell it away. Fizzled. Well, this may be because you and I have had this conversation where um, you're not, you don't like to accept the notion that reality is created uh, by each individual in their own worldview. And you th- you would like to believe there's an objective reality that we all plug into and we lie about it. That's it's a, right. it's a semantic debate because I right. just don't like the word reality for that. Got it. Feelings matrix. Sure. Whatever. You want to call it that? Like that's <laughs> I, I fine. don't, but <laughs> everybody has their own feelings matrix or feelings palette, whatever it is. That's fine. But reality is consensus between all of us. That's reality. Uh, yeah. And then, and then between us and our relation to other things as well. You know what I mean? Right. But I mean, to even like, physical world. for example, uh, you know, the way I see the color green is so vastly different than the way may you might see it because I'm partially green agnostic. I'm not really colorblind. I'm color agnostic. So my my creation, even if I see something where there's a green pattern within another, I won't see that thing. So my reality is tangibly different. The question is, what's the actual real real? Well, if it's all, you know, again, consciousness interacting with itself, you know, I think, you know, so the question again, always, it's a philosophical question, what is real? Right. Uh, well, this gets down to like, this is uh, Donald Hoffman and all yeah, the stuff all we've talked stuff. about, yeah, yeah. which is like, okay, maybe maybe you have a, a green, you see green differently. And because you see green differently, you see the water as being, you know, poison when it actually Correct. is poison. The rest of us can't see it. And you tell us all of us monkeys not to go near it. And then we don't get poisoned and the tribe survives. Correct. So that's evolutionary fitness as, yep. as compared to the reality of how the water may actually be appearing. Yeah. And it may, it may look, it may not even have a, you know, we just don't know. It's too, com- it's too complex. Well, here's what's fascinating about, about Hoffman's theory. So he's saying everything's consciousness interacting with itself, and right. our experience of reality is a graphical user interface based on our species-specific hack to help us survive. Here's the question. So, and this is where I think his thing really becomes real for me. That means there's an objective reality. In other words, there's this idea that, well, why would you survive? Something's dangerous. Why is it dangerous? It somehow disrupts this confederation of conscious agents in a way that doesn't allow me to continue functioning at this level of consciousness. Right. So that means drinking poison water is in fact, even if poison water is an icon for a conscious agent interacting with me, having an interaction where I drink that water destroys me as a confederation of subconscious agents. Well, then that means I'm gonna evolve as a system to see that as something harmful. It's gonna have an iconography that to me represents danger. And his point is there are these, um, to support this, there are these synesthetes, these people who see sound or um, feel tastes. And those are almost kind of mutational variants in the graphical user interface that may have a selective advantage in the future. So for example, if only chefs are getting laid in the future, then this chef who has synesthesia where he, when he tastes mint, he can feel this like ivy in his hand, has an advantage because he can probably create flavor palettes uh, using this sense that are so astounding mm-hmm. that his ability to get laid is increased exponentially and yeah. in the next 30 generations down, everybody has this ability to do that. I think intuitively we, we've always understood as a species that maybe we don't see all that's there, that we don't interact entirely with reality. 
Yes, I think we've always known that, but the question is, the way that I think the current thinkers say is, well, we're just, we see reality, just not all of it. Yes. What Hoffman is saying is we don't even see reality. reality. Right. Uh, we see a species-specific hack, the, these icons, like atoms aren't real, this thing isn't real. It's just something that allows us to interact with this conscious network of consciousness. And, uh, and that's, you know, look, if that's true, you start to reframe everything from your thoughts of, well, should we be trying to discover what quarks are? Or should we be thinking about, well, when you talk about God, what you're really talking about is higher and higher instantiations of conscious agents that sum up to higher levels of consciousness. Yeah. Can you access that? Well, that's the question that he's actually looking at too. It's interesting because if you really take all of that on board and let's say there's a, a, some sort of a mass enlightenment, right? And mm. uh, you know, people start to recede inwards is that not the destruction of the species? Like, does the hustle not stop right then and there? Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe it can never happen for that very reason, that there will never be any mass enlightenment. Well, so so this interesting thought of mass enlightenment where people wake up and realize, oh, we're all just consciousness interacting with itself, and so we don't need to strive, and we don't need to continue to do these things with this monkey meat and all that. There are some theories that um, the reason we don't find life in the galaxy other than ourselves, is that these things that have had billions of years to evolve beyond us, right? I mean, by the time the Earth came along, like this shit has already been going for a long ass time, time to evolve very hyper-sentient uh, species. They reach enlightenment and involuted and sit on a rock somewhere, right? Right. So it's a theoretically possible. I don't think so. And actually, I'm starting to debate whether we are the only people, only life forms in the universe, and the universe is just our creation, like our mind spitting out this thing. But um, but we have no idea. It's all just fun I speculation. I think it's entirely possible that we're the only uh, life forms that are advanced. I it, think it's entirely possible. It, I, when you look like, at... Like, yeah, people will say the math. I mean, if you look at the Fermi paradox, right? Yeah. That would, that would go to say that that we're likely not because the math is so large that there must be. But it's a paradox for a reason because we can't find any other life. Right. And and so you know? so for those who don't know what the Fermi paradox is, it's basically this um, theory that, well, hey, we ought to, based on the number of planets and, and star systems and the age of the universe, there ought to be intelligent life like us all over the damn place. Right. Why haven't we seen it? That's the, par the paradox. We haven't, they haven't visited us. We haven't mm -hmm. gotten transmissions. We don't see signs of mass organization of matter that would happen when uh, entities get to that level of complexity. And so there's an addendum to the theory that's called the Great Filter. So right. it says that civilizations probably don't make it past the Great Filter. And so, you know, we don't know what the Great Filter is, but maybe it's when a civilization invents nuclear weapons, but we seem to have made it past that great filter. So what's the next one? And right, then, right. Yeah. So the great filter being again, like, well, they all got filtered out except for us. Right. So the question then becomes, are we pre-great filter or post-great or post -great filter? filter. Yes. If we're, and I had a conversation with Peter Diamandis, who uh, is the exponential medicine guy, mm, singularity the guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and he's buddies with Ray Kurzweil. And he's gonna, we talked about this and, you know, his feeling is that actually life is ubiquitous in the universe. We just don't have the means to connect with it, uh, and we just haven't seen it. But but the truth is, when you look at, uh, and there's this um, <laughs> there's this funny Netflix documentary me and my kid were watching with Will Smith narrates it, and it's about, it's called uh, Strange... Strange Planet. One Strange Rock. Yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Something like that. And it's about how weird the Earth is, and what an outlier it is in the grand scheme of things. So the fact is, we have water because we were bombarded with comets. We have 
a slow day that allows us to actually function. It, the day used to be six hours long because we collided um, with another body that created a moon that creates tides that now is, and it's, it's very similar in size to us. So those tides slowed the rotation. So now we have a reasonable day. We're in the Goldilocks zone around the, plant, around the sun. We, um, there were a lot of things that happened like the extinction of the dinosaurs, that if that asteroid that hit just a little bit further on the spin of the earth, it wouldn't have hit the sulfur deposit that, that created the sulfur screen around the earth that froze the planet that killed the dinosaurs. We, there would still be dinosaurs here and we never would have evolved. Oh yeah, yeah. So when you start to look at how difficult it is actually for life to actually get to complexity, you start to go, well, it may just be that other people haven't had the chance and it's actually much rarer than we think. And then you throw a filter on it. It gets even crazier if you filter it all the way down to yourself, right? And you're like, my parents had to meet and this oh, had yeah. to happen and that had, and my great, great grandparents and they had to, and the, you know, some mammals back in a tree somewhere had to, and, and it goes back and back and back. And like, you know, if your parents had just had sex in a different position, you might be a different person. And like all that to get to here now. And then we squander it by going out and getting fucking high and drunk <laughs> and like crashing our car. Right. Right. It's really, it puts a burden of responsibility on you, the baggage of history that brought you to where you are. Life is sort of just a, a great, it's a crazy hustle. It's all just sort of a hustle. It kind of, yeah, it kind of it is. And it's also a box of chocolates. That's You never know. Life is like a box Wait, of it's chocolates. A, uh, sorry, it was a simile. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, you know, people don't know this. They, made, they wrote a Forrest Gump 2 where, where Forrest goes through the 90s and Forrest Kid has AIDS and then, you know, no kids want to sit next to him and he ends up in the white Bronco and there's a whole script for it. But they killed it. They were going into pre-production on it and they killed it because of 9-11. They were like, you know what? It just doesn't work oh, anymore. my God. Yeah. They were going to do Forrest Gump too. Forrest Gump too. See, now Look you it up. Done, it's you, now Forrest <laughs> would have been in the Twin Towers like saving people, right? Oh my gosh. You know, I want to get back to self-deception for a moment because I had a point about um, medicine, which is that I think a lot of people go into medicine uh, f to hustle for their self-worth, you know, which is like, if I save enough people, if I'm good enough, maybe I can be enough, you know what I mean? And mm. so in certain ways, self-deception is actually a positive and it has, it has secondary gain for others. The, the, you know, I think nurses in particular have a mm. lot of this uh, nurturing uh, mindset that is about overcoming some trauma or some kind of thing that happened and feeling a sense of self-worth. I think doctors do too, because you know you could easily go into uh, business as a doctor. That's true. I mean, it's it's much easier. Or you could be a lawyer. Yeah, uh, there probably is a component of that. Yeah. yeah. I, I think physicians are, they're more uh, saddled with, you know, they're a little more writer heavy than, yes, than elephant heavy. For sure. Yeah. That's so, just a higher instantiation. Yeah. Maybe of, of the same. I, I want to help even more people. Nursing is more of a one to one. Right, 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 know. right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Which, and is, that's more of a female thing, too, in general. In fact, right? I wanted to do, yeah, it's true. I think that, and I think that may explain partially the female predominance in nursing, although it's changing now, which is good. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. Uh, speaking of which, we have to write the lyrics for fucking always, always, uh, a, nurse. always a nurse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do we have so far? Should, we, should, should I pull them we up? We basically or? only have she's always a nurse, and then <laughs> and then he's always a nurse. Yeah, no, we will we'll do another episode where we get yeah, some input. Yeah. But yeah, we got to write that this week. Actually, what do you think about how when you started out? How many male nurses were there? Not many. And like, do, were there any in your hospital? Yeah, there were. There were, and 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 um, I still remember their faces. Yeah, clearly because it was so rare. Right, and it, it became more common. And what's interesting is the dynamic was different between male doctors and male nurses. Mm -hmm. There was a weird like kind of bro down that happened when you come in the room like and again again this is like 
I don't speak this out of like some weird sexism or something. It's just, this is how humans interact. And, um, you know, like, oh, you know, Bob's the nurse for this patient. Hey, man, so what the hell's going on with this guy? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, he's fucking doing this. Really? Fuck. All right, fuck. Whereas with with the um, female nurses, it was like, so how, how's Mr. Edwards doing today? Did he have any? There, there was like a, it was less bro-y. And it might, and, and again, I don't know that that's appropriate. It's just, I found myself slipping into the male patois with the male nurses. Yeah. Um, it's, they, inter- it's interesting. I also found right. that they would more, as a rule, be more aggressive with questioning orders and things like that. The male, the male nurses, nurses. Yeah. yeah, and uh, and I was fine with that, but it was it was a phenomenon I noticed. And what I've heard from my female colleagues is, female nurses tend to f- question female doctors more aggressively. I've so, heard that as yeah, well. Yeah, so it's interesting. Now, here's my take on this: you should always right. feel open to question, especially if an order looks crazy or you're just trying to learn. Like that was my favorite kind of question. I'm just curious why we do this. Remember the Meet the Parents? Like Meet the Parents came out in like 2000 or 2001. The Fockers. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and uh, he's a punchline. His yeah. job is a punchline. Yeah. yeah. In, uh, and that was only what 18 years yeah. ago. Yeah. Until the end, you know, when it, they explain, he's like, "Look, man, he took the MCATs. He could have right. been a doctor. He chose to do it." That's always a thing that he's like, you have to explain it. You know, right, I mean? right, right. If you're if you're a male right, nurse, right. or even you know, my wife had to explain it to my. Uh, to my father when he was alive, which is like, you know, she did really well on her MCATs and she could have gone into, you know, uh, medicine. Like she could have been a doctor, but she wanted to be a nurse and then she wanted to get her master's in nursing because she liked nursing. Right. You know? it, it, and you know what's funny is in the movie, I remember he has to prove that. Right. So he makes that they statement. They have to go through. But they have to then... go and pull his transcripts. Yeah. Because people are like, no. Yeah. It's crazy. Right. Um, so speaking of that, so in the song, you know, Always a Nurse, we're we're trying to do this pivot point where it goes from being a female nurse to being a male nurse. Mm-hmm. And that's the like tricky part. Cause you know, it can start out like, you know, she can cure with a smile, dress your wound up with ease, right? She can ruin her scrubs with your poop and your pee. I believe that was your line. And she only will chart when she's done coding three. Stethoscope like a doc, but she's always a nurse to me. So that's fine. But then you gotta get to that second thing where it's like, you know, they're not always a woman, right, Steve? Or, or well, you know, how, however we're going to do yeah, that. Yeah, I got to figure that out. So that's the twist that we're struggling with. The transition. Use the word trans. Well, ma- you male, drew first blood. Male nurses get pissed, man. When we did a video, when oh, we did, they get um, mad. When we did yeah. Meet Virginia mm-hmm, last mm-hmm, year, Meet mm-hmm, Nurse mm-hmm, Virginia, mm-hmm. and, you know, she's a woman, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they were like, you just had one male nurse in the video, and he was a stereotype. He was all jacked, blah, blah. It's like, I'm like, you're just jealous of his muscles, it's bro. It's like, dude, we're not, I was. we're not objectifying male nurses, <laughs> guy, that, like, you know what I mean? We, we ran into him. He was a jacked dude. We were like, what's up? You want to be in this video? We didn't plan it. God, yeah. yeah, I was real annoyed by the feedback on that. I'm like, guys, like, come on, dude. You know we got you. I think I understand, though, because, you know, it's... It is. They had to put up with a lot of shit, like shit that we probably don't understand. Exactly. And, that, and that's what it is. And that's why I was like, okay, instead of throwing a fit and yeah. screaming like a little bitch that right. I am, I'm like, all right, all right, I get it. <laughs> and people, I think people just really hate being put in boxes, you know? Yeah. It's like... Only women can be nurses. That's that's a box. This and is nobody why wants to be stuck in that. We were talking about this the other day because we're rebranding the website and going through this ordeal of having to rebrand some of this stuff. We get really pissed when people brand me as this fucking rapping doctor. It's like, <laughs> shut right, the right. fuck up. I don't even really do that. Like, right. how many raps do I have? Like, that's not who... You don't know me, bro. <laughs> and yet, you know, here we are. There's a big movement. We're trying to do all this good in the world. You know, we're, we're connecting with people, trying to make change. Well, 
they don't care. They're like, you're the rapping doctor. But you know what? Honestly, if we're being truly honest, if that if that's what it takes to Trojan horse them into the movement, then great. Yeah. But it just sucks because sometimes you'll get like, you know, you'll be on a call with some board of directors who wants to have you come speak and spread the word about 3.0. And they're like, well, we're just afraid you're going to do your vulgar raps. <laughs> and I'm like, did you just call them vulgar raps? Like, what are you, is this 1925? Like, who the fuck, are there flappers? Is your wife a flapper? What's going on? Um, what were we going to do? Uh, she only will chart what she wants you to see. I think we were going to get rid of that line. And then steal your pen like a thief, but she's always a nurse to me. Yeah. That's not a bad line. They'll eat what they feed. Oh, she'll eat when they feed her as long as it's free. Right. We were talking about changing that to something about how she can never eat. Yeah. Right. That but there's just no time. There's to eat. no time. Eat to at eat. home. Like, right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. She'll eat after. We'll have her to figure show. out a way to do yeah. that. Yeah. I think the male nurse versus should be more about like sort of the stigma, like what we just talked yeah. about. Yeah. That would be interesting. Maybe going to stigma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But see, you want it also to be, you want it to be very funny. Yeah. Because the, there's that funny twist where all of a sudden, because you're thinking this song is just about women. Can I ask you this more broadly, and maybe mm. I'll put myself out on a limb here. How do you feel about um, the notion of equality in, in general as a goal? Because to me, I think when I when I talk about male nurses and female nurses, I'm going to be honest here, my bias is that I would much rather have a female nurse. It, it's the, it's the, Because I feel like women are more caring ooh, in It's general. the nurturing phenotype, right. the agreeableness and the caring that we got from our mothers typically yeah maybe not you because you had a difficult uh but equality as a goal is sort of like you know well anybody could be caring a man could be caring a woman could be caring right so yeah. you shouldn't be judging it so th like this, this this is but that said we're hardwired from the last many millions of years for it to not be that way right and, and then you have the question can you overcome the hardwiring is it appropriate this, this is what i think i think let people have the opportunity uh without too much uh, systemic prejudgment to do what they think is best with their life and where their talents are. Yes. Once you have equality of opportunity, the fences are down, the barriers are gone, then people will drift to where they have their aptitude. Now, it turns out when you do this in places like Sweden and stuff, people tend to drift into more stereotypical male-female right. positions. So the question is, is there some bias we're not accounting for, or is it just that there is some at least a component of a pre-wiring in, in the average person, yeah. on average, that tends to select us out this way. And there's some theories about this too, like in engineering, well, why aren't there enough women in the STEM fields, the science, tech, engineering, math? And the, the one of the theories is that, well, whereas boys who are really good at those things early on are good at those things, girls who are good at those things early on are also really good at verbalizing and emotional intelligence. And so they tend to drift into fields that take advantage of the combo. Mm. Um, so it's, it's hard to know. And again, so when you mandate equality of outcome, yes, you're gonna hurt people who are good and and force people who aren't good into things into fields maybe where they're not, a, a, have high aptitude. See, I think I have this theory that, you know, we've talked about it on the show before. It's like, you know, we've talked about emergent phenomena versus like top-down architecture. And people really like, uh, struggle with that when I say it because I get a lot of messages that are like, what do you actually mean by right. that? Yeah. Um, and so the more simple way I think to say it is the world is in a race between socialism and capitalism, right? And they, they both have very different but laudable goals. People who are, who are cynical will say, oh, capitalism is just about, you know, extracting profit and, and profit is theft of, of the workers and et cetera, right. et cetera. Um, but, you know, capitalism is heading towards post-scarcity, 
that's what capitalism's end goal is, right? Where everything can be manufactured so cheap that everybody can have everything right. at all times. And it's done by AI and right. it's done by robots, right? Um, and so, you know, socialism is heading towards everybody's equal, and maybe we can genetically engineer that. You know what I mean? Right. And so they're they're at odds, and we live in the friction state between these uh, these two larger constructs. Yeah, I think I think some degree of that friction is good because you you know this top down idea. Well, you know when I'm when I'm talking to like Marty Macri in D.C. about uh, health policy, one of the nice things about a um, a regulatory or, or a top-down approach is that if you actually are correct, in other words, if the science bears out that, you know what, you probably shouldn't do uh, a um, catheter-based aortic valve replacement unless you've had at least 300 cases under your belt. And maybe physicians shouldn't own imaging centers because there's a conflict of interest. You're gonna order a bunch of tests that you don't need because you're gonna make profit. Those kind of things, then you could say, okay, well then these are the rules, all right? And these are the kind of guidelines. And th those are actually helpful. At the same time, when you do something like, hey, we should all be on EHRs and here are the 20 click boxes you need to click to be able to prove this that you've done this and get paid. Well, what ends up happening? All the unintended consequences of top-down architecture, which is the shits show we're in now, where Meaningful use created meaningless abuse, and all we have is you know uh, more yeah. work. So, so there's always a tension. I think there's truth on both sides of it, but the question is uh, throwing everything out on one side or the other. I think is probably the wrong. Yeah, answer because yet. the problem with top-down uh, systems is that you can't account for what you don't know. So you right. can't account for black swans. That's and, right. And the system's full of black swans. Yeah. Right? Like if you would have told your dad that that the things they were putting in place back when he was in practice were gonna to lead to where we are today. I, I don't think he would have believed you. Yeah, because he can't predict it. Right. We're not smart enough. I mean, there may be an AI that'll eventually be smart enough to do that, but not not yet. And the other thing is- That's, That's pure... another part of the socialism argument is like that AI is going to be, you know- Oh, the, socially the engineer thing, everything. The thing that yeah, gives yeah. us socialism, yeah, right? Yeah, no, no, I don't think so. I, I, I think I, maybe eventually. See, here's the thing is like, maybe eventually, not in our lifetime. Yeah. We're, we're maybe talking 500 years down the road and right. like, until then, capitalism right. is the best bet to post-scarcity, right. not socialism. Well, you know, and another way to look at it is, look, you have all this diversity of human aptitude and thought, and you should allow opportunity for all those uh, ideas to be presented to the world, and then the best ideas win. Yeah. And without a lot of- uh, Which is emergent. Emergent. Things emerge up. Exactly right. Without a lot of bias. And now, when you let things emerge, we talked about this before, shitty things are going to emerge. Shitty things are going to emerge. Yeah. Like you're going to have a, a period of social media where right. it's damaging our children and causing trouble. 100%, because you can't control every That's variable. right. But then what, what emerges from that, a response to that. So now you have like people like Haidt writing these really good books about why we're fucking that up. Well, now we start to have different uh, nudges from above, which is, oh, okay, maybe we shouldn't. And, oh, and from below, you know what? I'm not, not going to let my, have kid, my kid have Instagram until they're 18. Yeah. And their and their frontal lobe is a little more formed, and they're not damaged by this. So, so I think I think on a whole, and again, I'm a I'm an optimist. I know you you're kind of thinking we're going to like devolve a little bit into violence before we come back out. Uh, I'm actually an optimist, thinking well, I think we're still going in the right direction overall, but only if we have these conversations. We have equal, we have free speech, and we have platforms to do this. And people like Rogan and these guys will argue for that, and I agree with them. Yeah. I yeah. I don't know what's going to happen, obviously, because mm. you know I'm not smart enough to predict. There's too many variables. It's too complex, right? Too many too many black swans. Like right, it's chaos theory. You know, it's like right. you just can't. You nudge one part of a complex yeah, exactly. system, and it ripples out in so many different it's ways. It's the butterfly effect. It like is. Yeah, it's, it's everything could just get fucked up at any moment's <laughs> it, notice. You know exactly. Um, so 
that being said, I guess one of the things we were talking about on the show too is like, how do we have these kind of discussions with people where it's not a shit show? That's why I think that's why yeah. I think like the super PAC group is a good place. We were talking about that the other day. We have these long form discussions here and then we can cut out clips for the main page and do other stuff for the main page. But I think what I've noticed about that this group that we're broadcasting to now is uh, they're generally civil to each other. It's smarter. They're smarter. It's smarter in word. In other words, they're able to express themselves because they care enough to like spend five bucks and be a part of it. So it already it goes through this activation energy. We've weeded out the garbage stuff. Yeah. Weeded out the people who just go, dick. It creates community. It's like, yeah. you know, at um at Tesla. Mm. Uh do you know how much lunch costs at Tesla? No. We'll take a guess. Free? Right. No, it's not free. Oh. Because when things are free, you don't appreciate that. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Elon's a little smarter than all the other CEOs in the Valley, mm. and he doesn't give free lunch like Google or anybody. Mm. He makes them pay. It's cheap. It's like five, 10 bucks, mm. but you got to pay for lunch. Yeah. And guess what? All the employees really appreciate the cheap, good, yeah, healthy yeah, good lunch healthy that they've been given. So, but you got to pay a little. to get, And that's the same thing that's going on in our tribe is like, it's actually creating appreciation and a community. Like we've all devolved where we're just like, what's this endless stream of shitty data being thrown at me? Like, I don't want it. You know? yeah, so at yeah. least you pay five bucks to get stuff. Get a you curated want. You're a customer. So if like, you don't like anything, you Leave. can just say it. Yeah, yeah. Someone, someone emailed me uh, uh, yesterday and was like, I was really pissed off about your nurse practitioner video where you said, fuck you. If you think you can call yourself a doctor. I'm like, did you watch the whole mm. video? She's like, I'm a supporter. I'm considering not supporting. And I said, you know what? If you interpreted that video as an insult to nurse practitioners, I don't think we're on the same wavelength. I would recommend you unsupport now. And I appreciate your past support. Thank you. Bye. Yeah. And, and that's how it goes. That totally. way, you know, and, so, and, and the other thing I was going to say is when you talk about Elon setting up these things, that is a good example of systems engineering. 100%. And, you know, Zappos does it this way. Tony Shea at Zappos does it this way. The food in the cafeteria there is free if it's the healthy food. The food that is not healthy is offered. So he's not being a Nazi about what kind of food you eat, but you got to pay. Gotta pay. Yeah. And what he found is people start getting the free food and they start losing weight and all this other stuff. So it, there is some degree of uh, systems engineering that it's, it's when we talk elephant rider, we're talking about path. Yeah. What's the path the elephant rider's walking on? It's even. interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. And um, so Mike Mikja Yost says, supporter says, my daughter's active IQ at 12 was 155. That's like genius That's level really IQ. That's really smart, yeah. School said she was slow, so we went through the testing. She was anything but slow. Now we homeschool, and we started her at college courses at age 14. She's used social media since 14, uh, as we have. However, she is intelligent. Reality is too many people, even adults, don't have the intelligence to have social media without it being an issue. You know, actually, I'm not sure I agree with that. I think it's not intelligence. I think yeah, it's, it's not intelligence. It's frontal lobe development. It's ability to inhibit, right. to have a sense of self that is formed enough that you're not at the whim of what other people yeah. are doing. Yeah. And and there are very smart people who fall prey to these kind of things. And I'm I'm one of them. Totally. I, I'm you know, I have very good self control, but like pre twenty five, when I was under twenty five. Oh man. Oh man. I just find myself doing things. I'd be like, why did you do that, Tom? Yeah. Like yeah. like I would just be in the middle of doing something I really shouldn't be doing, and I'd be like, what is wrong with you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stop. Yeah. Stop. I know. Like, I had the same thing. You know? Actually, I'm I'm kind of worse as I get older. My frontal lobe is decroding. But 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 <laughs> Mikja, I want to or, or sorry, Mijka, Mijka. I'm sorry, I said your name wrong. Mij, Mijka, yes. 
what Mijka talks about is what we talked about with uh, the the curse of the gifted episode with Blair Duddy. Right. These smart kids get mislabeled as slow or as almost intellectually disabled. Well, Mijka's kid is. We talked about kids that were thirty points above above the mean. Yeah, and her, she's fifty five points, above, points the above the mean, yeah. which is very very intelligent, very gifted. Yeah, yeah. yeah. By the that's way, that's like me to Logan. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Logan's smart. Uh, Logan's pretty smart. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you ever had your kids tested? Not yet. I got tested when I was when I was a little kid too. Yeah, yeah. They, same thing. Now I got you know I was goofing off in class, daydreaming. Yeah, like, and they all test that. you. Yeah, and they're they're like, oh shit, he's smart. They're like, oh, he's smart. And they don't know he's what to problem. do with you. They don't know what to do with you. You know, that's the thing. It, yeah, it becomes really heartbreaking. They just I, I read the report. You know, I found a whole report about it that the they had given my parents. You know, yeah, the composite IQ and the whole thing. Yeah, uh, it's a Tom needs structure basically. Yeah, you know? and you know they're probably probably right. Yeah. But the thing is, too much structure. Do you remember? Okay, so this is interesting. This is a good segue into this. When we were trying to be this big, um, you, me, and Logan had become partners at the beginning of what? twenty End of 2017? Mm, beginning of 2016. I don't know. Sometime in this. At sometime. some point. And we're like, okay, ZDog Industries, what's our goal? We wanted this to be this big company. And we'll have like 30 employees and we're going to we're gonna, um, you know, take over the world. And you know, we met with this uh, person who helped us, who was a business slash doctor person and helped us go through all this stuff. And we're like, okay, so what we need to do is we need to hire this person. We need to have this structure. We, every Monday needs to be a business meeting. We need to do this. We need to write these thought leader articles. We need to do this and this and this. How fucking miserable oh my god the were worst. we for the next the month or worst. two when we tried to do this yeah, and why worst. is that because both you me and logan are we don't function in that kind of diligent <laughs> right, environment right. it's not who we are you can hire someone to do that mm-hmm. which we haven't found yet because nobody on our team uh with the exception of danielle and my wife are diligent right everybody else is like oh we're like real open and extroverted bro or like uh, you know weird and crazy like logan but technically savant but we're not like the people yeah. who like create a spreadsheet and be like, okay, we're going to follow up with this. And we're going to do this. And we're going to do this. So trying, and it gets back to self-deception, trying to be someone that you are not by fixing all your faults is bullshit. It's not going to work. Focus yeah. on your strengths, minimize your faults. Yeah, man. I actually think like, you know, the whole reason we're fucking here or like the high, the, once you get part past, you know, all the Maslow's. stages of Maslow, yeah. you, your self-actualization stage is about getting past self-deception. Yeah. And that's that's the thing that you're fighting against is yourself. That's why it's so hard because you're the final boss. And that, hey, yeah, and that's why the final boss. <laughs> you're the final you're you're fighting like Donkey Kong yeah. himself, man. And it's you. You're Donkey Kong. And you're Donkey you Kong. You look in a mirror and you're Donkey Kong to- too. Totally. <laughs> you're like <laughs> you're throwing it at yourself. And uh it, what's interesting because that's why he says self-actualization. Yeah. It's like, who are you? Really, man, yeah. I, I, I this month I'm going to be 46, all right? It took me 40 years to start to yeah. self-actualize. I mean, so much denial and self-deception. Okay, I'm a doctor. No, I'm not the kind of doctor who can sit in the hospital all day and just do what he's told and click the boxes. Well, okay, I'm not that person. Well, then who am I? I'm the guy who runs a clinic because I'm a businessman. You're not a fucking businessman. Right. You don't have the diligence. You don't care about profit enough. You you know you you you're too you're too compassionate to people to want to tell them they suck and need to be fired. <laughs> yeah. You know all this kind of stuff. So okay, I'm not that. Well, then who am I? Well, finally, I'm like, oh, I'm kind of a teacher who likes to build things. Yeah, we're building videos. We get to teach. Fucking, how long did it take me? I'm finally. Even though I, I get tired and I get frustrated, I'm finally happy. Yeah. I'm like, this is me. I think it's important to say it because there's probably a shitload of people who are listening who have no idea 
where they're headed or who they are. And uh, I'm one of them. I don't know who I am yet. Like if I'm being honest with myself, I have no idea. Yeah, 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 it's true. Now, Andy Andy knows himself, Andy Loyne. He just wrote in, I once took a bunch of Adderall and was able to create an Excel spreadsheet. Sounds about that's right. That's pretty good. Sounds about that's right. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's what I'd need to do. Uh, How? What's your advice? What's your advice for people? Like, you know, I mean, obviously, you you got to take the long, twisty, winding road because that's just the only fucking way it ever gets done. Yeah. But what's your advice for that journey? Yeah. You know, my advice is you have to start to assume, operating from a base principle, yeah. that you're deceiving yourself. start with that and then disprove that yeah so if you can disprove that effectively then good you're already on the path to actualization if you can't disprove that you have to ask yourself why am i deceiving myself because i'm in life circumstances that i feel are beyond my control hey nothing's beyond your control do you 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 can i threw everything away that i had that was what i should have had to go take this terrible risk was it risky yes did i have support of my family yeah that helped so I had a lot of advantages, right? I'd spend time making money so I wasn't gonna starve the next day. Now, if you're gonna starve the next day, then there's different ways that you can start, but look at your life and go, okay, first of all, I mean, maybe do something stupid. We've talked about like, is there a utility taking personality tests and stuff like that? It's always good to have different ways to know yourself. Yeah. If, if you can find out, well, look, man, I'm not- It's not gonna tell you. Gonna tell it's not like an objective you. truth. No. It's not gonna like tell you who you are, but if you align with it, you might find some value in it, you exactly. know, that kind of thing. Exactly. I, I mean, I think like in particular that- funky sparkotype thing that you had us do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, since then, I've had a lot of people do it, and it, it seems to fit. Th- these are actualized people. Now, yeah. the question is, are actualized people answering these questions in a biased way because they're like, hey, I know who I am. This is <laughs> I'm answering this right. Where someone who's truly self-deceptive are going to answer those questions wrong. Yes, now, that's part of it's it. It's really interesting, yeah. And I spent a long time in my own... Uh, self-deception bubble, you know, where I'd be like, I'm, you know, and you couldn't even get through to me. That's the thing is like, when we talk about getting through the anti-vaxxers or whatever, I wasn't going to let anything through when I was in that bubble. Yeah. I just yeah. wasn't going to, Yeah, you know? Yeah. I had a goal. My goal was X and I was like, I'm heading towards X. When I right. get there, I'll look around and decide what's up. Yeah. So there are these points at which you can reach people. Yeah. Can't reach people all the time. Right. right? There's yeah. these windows of opportunity. Yeah. That's my other piece of advice. There's something that uh, Tony Shea actually calls, there's ROI, right? Return on investment. Yeah. He has something Radio call- on the internet. Radio on the internet. <laughs> Russ Hanneman. Oh, the, do- the doors are like, like, the doors are, not like this? Yeah, no. Or like this? No, they go like this? They no, go like this? No. They go like this. That's right, I lost a comma. I lost a comma. I'm just like you now. I'm poor. <laughs> um, You're going to hear it eventually. I'm worth 989 billion. I'm basically just like you. <laughs> You still have almost a billion dollars. Not if you round down. If you round down, I have, I have zero nothing. billion. I have zero billions. For anybody who doesn't know, it's from Silicon, Silicon Valley, Valley, which is a great show. Great show. <laughs> uh, so ROI, but Tony Shea talks about return on luck. Yeah. And what that means is you have to be open. Take advantage of opportunities. To take advantage of opportunities when yeah. they come. So if when Tony was like, hey, quit your job at Stanford, come to the desert, and we don't know what you're going to do, but you'll figure something out. If I had said, that's fucking crazy, which I did, but then I also said, okay, I yeah, will do it. I never would have been doing this right now. Yeah. Uh, so people love to look backwards at people who are successful and see if they can reverse engineer their success. Right. 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 And it's like uh, you can't. You yeah. just fucking can't. You just because have to- you gotta stay, you know, prepared with your eyes open for opportunities that are coming available to you. You're mm-hmm. not gonna be able to do it the way 
somebody else did it in the past. You know, when I went to film school when I was 18, I was like, what did Steven Spielberg do? Oh, he did this and that. Oh, he was the greatest. I'm going to be just like Steven Spielberg. Right, right. And what did Steven Spielberg do? He did the same thing to Orson Welles. He was like, what did Orson Welles do? Yeah, I'm going to yeah, do yeah. just what yeah. I, And it never ends up how you think it's yeah. going to end up. You yeah. know what I mean? You know what I did? What did Dr. Oz do? I'm going right. to do the opposite of that shit. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Susan Robinson says, hey, if I recall, I got the same sparkotype as Z. I wonder if I, that, that I'm being self-deceptive. I'm like, no one deserves the same sparkotype as me. Sage maker, that's a concern, man. Yeah. Because uh, then you end up down this path that I'm down, which is um, filled. It's like a trail of tears, man. Do you think that you would be happy writing uh, <laughs> just like science textbooks? No, because that would be Sage Maker too. No, oh, no, because it, you know why? Because I think you'd have to be you'd have to be oh god, you'd have to be Sage scientist. Yes, and I don't you'd care. Still about be teaching. That, that, still be teaching. I'd still be teaching, but I'd be teaching truth I care nothing about. Yeah, that see that you also want to have human connection when you teach. Yeah, right? yes, that's yes. part of your thing. I like too. to have the connection. I also like to teach about things I care about. So yeah. if you tell me, oh, teach me about you know um, managing fluid overload and uh, congestive heart failure. If I care about that that week. I will give you the best lecture in the world on that, and you'll never forget it. If I'm not interested in it that week, oh, good fucking luck. I'll just mm -hmm. be like, well, here's the textbook, bitch. Read that shit and give me a book report. Yeah. And, and that's the problem. You know, like, for, for a while, I was obsessed with hyponatremia, low so sodium. Right. I became so good at teaching about and understanding hyponatremia. And then, you know, several months later, I just like, I don't care about hyponatremia anymore. Hey, yeah. Could you tell me why the sodium's low? Yeah, well, there's a differential. Go look it up. It's weird. That's a pro my problem. You know, I actually got hyponatremia when they took away my uh, my Bitcoin Twitter um, because you know that it was like the saltiest fucking people on there, dog. And we would just go hard and get toxic. You know what I mean? Talk about no coiners, <laughs> shit coiners. <laughs> oh my god, dude! It's like. But uh, then I snuck back in. I was like, yeah. "Fuck you, Twitter." Can't is, shut me down. This is like an advanced idiocracy. Yeah, they fucking banned you from Twitter. Yeah, I got banned from Twitter. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For yeah. targeted harassment. Targeted harassment. <laughs> that's true. That's it's true. Hilarious. Well, what can you do? You know? Yeah, I just started a new Twitter. There you I, go. I can suck it. That's what I would do. Oh, look, my my web guy's calling. Oh, hey. Yeah. All right. You know what I hate? I'm going to tell you right now. I hate when people fucking call me. <laughs> like, text me, bro, are you free? Let's hop on a call. I'm a goddamn busy guy doing a live show, but like people will just call me. Now you can call me because we're partners. We're bros. Yeah, we're bros. We're bros. And I know, yeah. like we understand each other. Mm -hmm. Like if I don't answer, you know that I'm masturbating and I don't want you to ruin the vibe. It's true. It's true. Or something else is going mm -hmm. on, you know, like nuclear Armageddon. <laughs> uh, but you know. So anyways, what do you think, Tom Heinebert? Did we do it? Did we let's, do some stuff? Let's call the code. Let's call the code. Let's I call, call code. it code mauve. Code mauve. <laughs> Code taupe. Cold taupe. That's Code right. Taupe. That's the color of this here desk. Didn't we have a, a thing we were going to do a skit for all the different, we were going to create new color codes? And we never did it. We were going to, or no, we did do it with Vader, didn't we? Where he like does different color codes and he's like, that's called the code. Yeah, we did. Taupe, we did. You know? We have like several of those clips and we never released them because they were terrible. Oh my God. Can yeah. I tell the people about keeping up with the cardiologist? Yes. Spelled, spelled with a K. Yes. So keeping up with the cardiologist spelled with a K. And it's them just like in the OR and it's, they're eating salads and they're like, I don't know. Like, oh. Maybe we should like give him a stunt. <laughs> oh yeah, Chloe, you're so bad. I don't know. <laughs> you know, Chloe, you've been doing those tavers, but I don't think you have enough cases under your belt. <laughs> I really want to do that. We one. should do that. Yeah, and we just put wigs on put all wigs. of us. And we oh, just flip God, our hair, flipping back. our hair, and but we're in scrubs. <laughs> we're in the OR. And like the cath lab nurses are there, and It'd they're like, amazing. "Oh my god, it'd be amazing." Oh my god, we need a we need one character who goes from he to she at some point. 
Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because of a botched, um, it, it would be a botched catheterization and too much dye is injected. And That's it, a little transphobic for me, dog. Okay. I, I didn't mean to be transphobic. How dare you do my, my boy Bruce like that? Okay. You know what? He's not your boy. Okay. <laughs> he was my boy, bro. He used to be on the Wheaties box, bro. <laughs> I grew up with that Wheaties box in the seventies, uh, man. It was, uh, it was, a, it was a change, but you know what? Bless him for it. Bless her for it. Caitlin. Is it Caitlin? Caitlin. Yeah, Caitlin, Caitlin. Jenner. Uh, she spelled it with a C, which is a real slap in the face. That's of the a family. slap in the face. Yeah. And uh, speaking of slaps in the face, Game of Thrones is coming back. Ooh, April 14th. Mm -hmm. Everybody who doesn't watch Game of Thrones is a punk ass bitch. I think we go out with the theme. What do you think? <laughs> and we out. Chicka, chicka, leap off, chicka, leap off, chicka, leap off. Hey, it's Dr. Z. Thanks for getting through the whole episode. That's a huge accomplishment. <laughs> and so at this point, I just got to ask you for a few favors because it just helps us so much if you leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe. It, it just really helps the algorithms to get this message out to others. The second thing is email me, hello at zdogmd.com. I get all these emails personally. I can't respond to them all, but I need to hear your voice because especially on podcast, we don't have a comment section. And I wanna hear how this episode affected you, what you'd like to hear in the future, what you think we got wrong, what we think we got right, anything, anything, or just say hi. So that's really powerful. And the third thing is, Financially, it helps us a lot to support the show in any way you can. And if you go to zdogmd.com forward slash supporters, you can join our supporter tribe on your favorite platform, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, wherever. What that will get you on those platforms is live shows with me that are exclusive for supporters and access to our Zoom meetings where we talk about awakening realization and we share with each other our own experience. It's a powerful group effect. It's a community, really. And we support and love each other and share, again, through our own experience, how we're waking up. So, and that that ripples out into systems, into transforming healthcare and education and government. So it st really starts with us. So join us there if you can. Again, zdogmd.com forward slash supporters. And I'm so grateful to have you with us.